there is a distinct difference between fame and impact. As the apostolic church, we have to strive to make an impact. This is one of many powerful quotes from our guest today, Adam Shaw. That's right. My friend Adam Shaw is the guest on the Noteworthy podcast today. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. Now, I am so thankful for apostolic resources and apostolic podcast. I and listen, there are so many great apostolic podcasts out there, but I, I gotta say it, my personal favorite podcast is The Restorationist by my friend Adam Shaw. You've probably heard it. It's probably impacted your church and helped your leadership team. And I am very honored to have him on the show today. You may know him from preaching a youth camp or a youth convention in your district. You might know him from seeing that he is preaching at North American Youth Congress this year in Indianapolis, Indiana. Adam Shaw is, is a friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other over the last few years, but we really got to know each other better throughout this conversation, and I am so excited to share it with you. Guys, thank you for tuning in. I'm Nathan French, and this episode, well, this is The Restorationist. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, Nathan, how you doing? Man, I am doing great. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today, bro. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Man, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I'm a huge fan. And so uh, I'm excited to be here. Oh, man, that that means so much. And I, I got to tell you, bro, you're, you're my favorite podcast. So I... It's so cool to, to get to speak to you and get to kind of unite uh, Noteworthy with The Restorationist today, bro. I'm excited. That's cool, man. And I that's a huge compliment. So thank you very, very much. I'm, I'm very humbled by that. Well, man, I, I, I've been following your ministry uh, for the last few years, and, and we're going to dive into this a little bit later, but we loved getting to connect with you when you ministered in Georgia a few years ago. And ever since then, man, I've just been so thankful and privileged to get to know you and follow your ministry and see what God is doing. How are things in, in Canada right now? What does that look like for you with the pandemic? Well, right now, um, the province of Ontario that, that I live in is um, under an, a stay-at-home order. And it's oh, yeah. lasting until February the 10th, which means uh, for churches in particular, gatherings can be no more than 10. And so wow. that pretty much is meant for, you know, my city that I'm in. We've been shut down since December 
like the 23rd. And so we haven't had in-person gatherings since then. We've been all online. And uh, that has been, obviously, there's some difficulties presented with that. Sure. Right. But, you know, we, we've been taking it in stride. Uh, our, our tactic, our strategy at, at our church um, that's led by my father is we are not going to we are not going to engage in any, you know, fist raising uh, towards our government. We're going to pray. We're going to be cooperative. Right. Uh, right. We're going to advocate for ourselves. Don't don't get me wrong. We're going to sure. advocate for ourselves. Right. That's good. And one of the ways in which we advocated was we called our city and said, "Look, we're shut down. We're not doing the ten person in person gatherings. It won't make sense for the size of our church, but we sure. are going to be operating as a as a broadcaster." And so what we need you to do is treat our church like you would any other secular film and television broadcaster. They initially pushed back against us, and we said, we certainly hope that you're not discriminating against us because our content is Christian as opposed to the secular content that would be in any news, television, or even film that's being shot in our city at the moment. And they said, well, you know what? That's a great point. So we have been able to have a production team of about 20-some people come on Sundays and on Tuesdays so we can have a full worship team and a full kind of production camera crew so that we can deliver the best possible experience we can. But it is getting old, bro. I mean, um, you know, We've got a lineup outside of grocery stores. You can't go to restaurants. It's takeout only. And uh, it's put a massive squeeze on small businesses. But God is good. People are getting the Holy Ghost watching our services. We've baptized people in my bathtub in my house. Praise God, bro. Past two weeks in a row. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. We've had people experience uh, supernatural miracles of healing. You know, people that were taking medication for heart palpitations, people that were on morphine for severe pain in their body, just instantly someone got a burden to call their employer while service was going on. And we're saying we're going to pray for everyone that needs healing right now. He picks up the phone and he says, the ambulance is on their way. I'm having a heart attack. And then they talk. They say, we're praying for you. And instantly all symptoms go away. My goodness. Instantly also. So, I mean, Thank you, Jesus. in the middle of all of it, bro, God has just been blowing our minds with the kind of things that only he can do. And it really, it really has, it really has been, this season is difficult. I mean, we, my dad and I, we've never worked harder in our lives sure, or longer yeah. hours in our lives. But the end result is God has stretched our faith. So to answer your long, long, long answer to your <laughs> question, we're I love doing it. amazing. God is on his throne He's not scared of Rona, neither are we. We're moving forward. Wow, that is beautiful, bro. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, we need to hear that. Myself and the listeners, we need to hear uh, the miracles that God is doing in the middle of all this craziness. Now, I, I know you hit on it in a little bit, but can you tell us about who you are and where you serve? Maybe give us a little backstory on how you came to, to pastor there and work with your father. What does that look like for you? So my dad took a church after being saved himself for about, I think it was five or six years, took a church in a small city called Cornwall, Ontario, and it was right on the Quebec border. Uh, So it was uh, predominantly francophone, which means French-speaking, a city in Ontario where the dominant religion was uh, Roman Catholicism. And uh, he set about for 
to carve out, I think it was 13 and a half years to carve out a church. We moved there when I was two and a half years old. And after 13 and a half years or so, um, he felt it was time to make a transition. Thankful for the work that God did there. He evangelized for about six, eight months and then received a call to go to Hamilton, Ontario. And for those listeners that may not be familiar with Canadian geography, which would be probably most of your listeners, uh, whether they are <laughs> right. in Canada or the United States, right. <laughs> uh, we're in, we, we move from the east end of the province. And to, to put it in perspective, Ontario is nearly two times the size of the state of Texas. And so it's, it's a massive landmass. So we moved from the far east end of Ontario to the southwestern end of Ontario. So I okay. moved from being you know, two hours away from Syracuse to being three hours away from Detroit. So uh, I live right wow. near Niagara Falls, New York, about three hours away from Detroit, Michigan. And in, if you look at a map of Canada and there's that little pointy part that dips a little bit below parts of North Dakota, parts of Minnesota, that's where I live now. And so I was 15 years old when my dad moved and became assistant pastor and two years later became pastor. I went to Bible college at the age of 17 and then came back. And at the age of 19, my dad appointed me to be the youth leader of our youth group. And I did that for about 12 years or so, and then transitioned to become the executive pastor of LifePoint Church, working with my dad and uh, on top of that, I'm also a youth president of Ontario Youth in the Ontario District uh, here, as well as, as you mentioned already, the uh, podcast host and the restorationist. So, so you don't have my... a lot going on. You're just kind of chilling over there. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, there's just, a, just, just hanging out. Right. You know, right. well, I try to stay busy. It's so cold, really. <laughs> it's just so cold. There's not a lot to do. And so you That's just great. try to. No, there's like an hour of sunlight, uh, and no, there's not. We, we, we get a full five or six hours. Um, Very nice. And, Very uh, nice. you know, so I try to try to stay busy here in my basement during coronavirus season. <laughs> that is that is awesome, man. Well, I love uh, getting to peek in on that with, with your podcast and, and following you guys on social media, and I just wanted to say thank you for the work that you are doing there and with your father and your family in Canada, bro. I love to see it. Now, would you mind sharing with us, uh, you know, we're blessed with this podcast. Uh, I'm sure the same with yours, that there's, there's a lot of young ministers that listen to this podcast that glean from the information uh, because I'm so privileged to get to speak with men of God like yourself. And that is that is my favorite part about podcasting bro is getting to speak to men of God like yourself and learn from you so would you tell us uh, what was the call of God like on your life when when did you know okay I feel called to the ministry and was it a one-time experience or what is was it a series of events that led you to that moment I think everybody is different and so you know I understand that uh, I'm a bit of a stick Stereotype when it comes to the call of God into ministry, into preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and not everybody has that. For some, it is the series of events. Uh, but for me, I did I did have that burning bush, you know, style experience. Wow. I was 12 wow. years old. 
and I was in Maynard, Ontario for, I believe it was a Save Our Children's rally. Um, for those of you that are old enough to remember, uh, you know, the little coin, you know, coin things and right. raising money. And, and so <laughs> right. my mom, my mom grew up in a family of 10 kids, dirt poor, no indoor plumbing. Um, and she didn't live a thousand years ago. I mean, she's, she's not that old really right. at all. Right. Uh, and, and, but she grew up in abject poverty and, you know, at this, somebody from this church drove by with a Sunday school van and invited her to come. And she, out of all her brothers and sisters, is the one that stayed and and gave her life completely and totally to God. So here I am in this church in, when I say small town, bro, like you blink, you miss it. Gotcha. It, the town's called Maynard, Ontario. Wow. And I'm there in the altar, and I very clearly and distinctly hear the voice of God, not audibly, but with inside, Man. inside my heart, wow. telling me, as I'm telling God, I'll do whatever he wants me to do. He calls me to preach the gospel. I'm weeping. Man. I'm crying. I say yes to that call. Praise and God. Uh, now God never you know, told me that I mean, I'd be running a podcast or that I'd be a youth president or I'd be in full-time ministry. It was just, he's like, I'm, I'm picking you right now. You need to say yes to me. I want you to preach. I want you to go into vocational ministry. This is what your life is going to be about now. I need you to say yes to this. And I did, and God has blown my mind with the things that he has been able to do, not because of anyone that I am, but because I was willing at a, at, at 12 as technically, you know, I'm not sure if I was, a, yeah, I was a preteen. I was a preteen in, you know, in middle school. Right. God has been able to do so much through that single yes. And so I said yes to the Lord at that particular moment. And uh, I've, I've never... I've never looked back since. It has been the singular focus outside of being a disciple myself. Being in the ministry has been the singular focus That's beautiful, of, man. of my whole life. Wow. That is beautiful, bro. Uh, I love I love that story. And I've I've been able to ask that question to a lot of different ministers and and I love that yours was kind of this burning bush moment because so many times I speak to people and it is different for everybody so for a lot of people it's a series of events so yours was a little unique that you had this defining moment now uh there's a part of ministry that can can seem glamorous you know to people that listen to your podcast or you know for example so excited to hear you preach at NAYC this year, um, I'm praying for you, right? We've we've seen kind of this glamorous, big scale of ministry, but for those that are working in the ministry, in the trenches, there are challenges, uh, and, and there's behind the scenes that people don't see. So what are some challenges that you faced in the ministry, and how did you overcome them? You know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. We often... We often only see people hi people's highlight reel. It's it's a comment I heard. I think it was last week that that Instagram is everyone's highlight reel, yeah. and and yeah. generally that that's what we that's what we see, and, and we oftentimes will judge everyone's highlight reel by our complete unedited, unabridged yeah. life story. You're so right. And yes, I have found that life is full of challenges. Yeah. 
life is full of of setbacks and and things that you've got to fight through and overcome. And there's two in particular that I want to kind of highlight. Um, one yes, was a very personal challenge for me uh, several years ago where um, for a year there was not a day that went by. I'm talking seven days a week that I did not have at least one or two major panic attacks. Wow. And wow. had just this low-grade anxiety for like, for a whole year. And, you know, if, if anyone's listening has never had something like that, you know, yeah. obviously a panic attack is a very dramatic thing. Right. But then that just that low-grade kind of anxiety that just hangs in the, you know, the back of your head all the time, mm. that is exhausting. So yeah. if, if, yes, if someone's listening and they're they're afraid – Let's say you're afraid of dogs, right? Or you're afraid of spiders and, you know, you you see a spider on a wall and you can't get at it. Yeah. Um, or you're walking past, you know, the neighbor's house and you know the dog is there and you're scared right. of the dog because they may bark through the fence right. and it'll startle you. That kind of butterflies, that little buzz of, of mm. fear and adrenaline that you have. Imagine having that every waking moment of every day. Wow. And that's what it was like. And it literally brought me to the end of my rope. I was, you know, I was, I was, I thought I was losing my mind because I mean, technically I was, I mean, my it was goodness. becoming difficult to function. The only respite I had was whenever I got behind the pulpit. That was the only break wow. that I had was when I preached the gospel. My that goodness. was it. Every other moment in my life, it was there. It was, it was just. It was an awful, awful experience, and I remember going to church when no one was there, lying on the carpet uh, before it had been vacuumed <laughs> from the previous two <laughs> services on Sunday, right. so that everybody's, you know, everybody's shoe crust, <laughs> on, you know, and that's All how the you tears. know you're desperate when you're willing to lie face <laughs> down on the carpet that has not been vacuumed right. after a week <laughs> of services, and I literally punched my fist on the altar and I screamed, God, why is this happening to me? What is wow. doing this to me? Man. And God spoke to me and said, I'm doing this to you. I, I have brought this into your life. Wow. So that you can learn to trust in me and not, and not in you. My, my, I'm my. bringing this into your life to break you. And I just said, okay, okay, God, I submit to whatever that process is. And, you know, it didn't go away. Right away, uh, it it still hung out for a bit, so God knew I would I would know, and and God, well, I guess God already did did know, right. so that I would know for for real that I was seriously surrendered, and then one altar call, I, I had a guy in my church lay his hand on me and just pray over me, and and those chains of fear and anxiety kind of broke, and uh, another Praise instance God. was uh, my wife had cancer. Mm. And uh, the Jesus. consequences of of her, you know, cancer diagnosis and the subsequent surgery that she was going to have to have to deal to prevent the spread of it uh, was absolutely life altering and just devastating for our family. Yeah. And uh, it was it was just it was a heavy and it was an intense time to. You know, Watch your wife be wheeled into an OR for a disease that you can't see, 
and you as a husband, as a, you know, as a man are powerless to stop. My goodness. And have got to put completely her in the hands of God. And then not even a year later, lesions appear on her thyroid. Calcify would look to be like calcified lesions appear on her thyroid and the, and the evidence of, of thyroid cancer, a completely different type of cancer is probable. Goodness. And, uh, and so that was, that was another dark season. That was also a time where I, I, I preached youth conventions. I think it was three youth conventions back to back. I did every single one of those. Um, I preached that I preached on healing. And uh, I preach that God could do things that we can't we can't even imagine He can do. Man. So why don't we just release our faith? Beautiful. As my wife and I had already, we'd already come to grips after coming through one cancer diagnosis and now facing the high probability of another. I mean, calcified lesions. They're they're usually like there's usually no <laughs> there's usually no good reason for them to be in your body. Sure. Uh, and so we just walked. Walked forward into that into that trial, said, "You know, God, you're in control. You're in charge. No longer were we when we were really afraid with the first diagnosis. It was, you know, God stop this. God make the bad thing stop. But as we walked forward into the second into the second potential diagnosis, it was God put your glory on display. Everyone knows we've been sick twice now. Wow. Put your glory on display. Yes, yes, and God. God miraculously." healed my wife Man, praise and God. she went back for another ultrasound and those lesions completely disappeared. And so here are three things that I have learned from challenges that I have faced in ministry and in life, both with my personal struggle with fear and anxiety. And then my wife's story uh, of, of walking through the valley of cancer and all of the things that come along with it. The first thing I, I that helped the we that helped us overcome was the power of the Holy Ghost. And, yes, yes. You no, know, it's not cliche. I'm I'm tired of I'm I'm at the point now where you know it kind of irks me when people yeah. are like, oh, okay, talk look, about pray it. the Holy Ghost. I get that. Whatever. No, no, it's not yeah. whatever. It's yeah. it's like go ahead. It is it is the source of life. Like the, if without the Holy Ghost, yes, sir. we have no hope in the world. Yes, so the Holy yes, Spirit yes. is the sustainer of our lives and and will get us through you know there's the the old cliche there's a real cliche god will not put on you more than what you can bear i have found that there's a whole lot of stuff that he's put on me i couldn't bear but he bore for me and he gave me the power to so bear good. it up through the power of his holy spirit so so number one if, if you don't have the lord if you don't have a connection to the spirit of god it doesn't matter big small the crisis you're not going to survive it you're going to be bitter you're going to be angry it's going to damage you uh and so the power of the spirit number two the other way that you know this and other i mean i could talk about my son's got anaphylactic allergies to milk yeah. and you know i've watched him pass out in the car six times on the oh, way to goodness. a hospital and, uh, I, you know, just wild stuff, him not being able to breathe. The power of the Holy Ghost changes things. Number two is I have always discovered that great community, having a great network of friends, people that you do life with, that, that gets you, that you can be yourself around, that you can be free to be you, that you don't have to put any you know, airs on for them, are so, so valuable and so important. We all need a community. So um, that's what we see in Acts 42 through 47. And we see people, you know, 
sharing life with one another. And so our community of our church, our family, and our friends was just absolutely pivotal for us during our moment of need. And then number three, and this is really important too, Mm -hmm. was we reframed the challenge. We reframed the pain. So we, we, we would ask ourselves like three questions. What is God trying to teach us in this? How is he trying to shape us for his glory, for his purpose in, his, right. in this? And if right. we could find no answer that God is either trying to teach us, he's trying to lead us, he's trying to transform us in some way. I'll tell you what, you, you go through cancer a few times, you have a whole bunch of empathy for people. Yes. You go yeah. through fear and anxiety and someone comes and says, I struggle with mental illness. You're like, I know how that feels and you're not alone. So, so God can always be teaching us to be more compassionate through our pain. But if we can't find a suitable answer, then what we would always land with, what is he trying to display to the world through my suffering? You know, who knows what God was trying to teach Job and all of this, but we do know that God was preaching a message about his goodness through the life of Job to the principalities and powers and to Satan and to all of us that read his book subsequent to his suffering, right? right? And so we have to reframe our pain. We have got to reframe our challenge and say, Man. if God's really on his throne, this is not for my destruction. It's for my good and his glory. So what so can good. I learn? How can I be changed? Or what message could he be preaching to the world or even to the principalities and powers about his sustaining power through the thing that I'm going through? Wow. So good, Adam. Wow. I, man, I, I, feel, I feel the Holy Ghost right now just I talking about it. Man, it's, it's powerful. I can feel his presence. Now, um, I appreciate you talking about the challenges, man, because that is what, that is what listeners are dealing with and somebody like yourself that has has influence and and has a platform and and can reach people thank you for being transparent and i i just want to say here as well uh please tell your wife that uh my wife rachel and i love the episodes with you and your wife and we want you to know we appreciate her voice and her ministry please communicate that for us, man. We, we love Absolutely. And, and appreciate you she, guys. She does amazing. She's honestly phenomenal on the podcast. Uh, and she's been so sought after people love all the episodes she's been on. <laughs> we I even went out, I went out and I bought, I was, you know, renting the odd microphone from, you know, the Canadian equivalent of guitar center. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but I just went out and I bought one. Cause I was like, you are going to be a regular feature on this podcast. Gotta have uh, it. and so absolutely I will, I will pass that on. She's an amazing, incredible, godly, strong, uh, woman uh, who is just, she's just incredible. And so I, I'll pass that along and you will be hearing more from her in 2021. That's for sure. Man, I'm, I'm excited. And I know my wife, Rachel will be glad to hear that. She, you're great, but, but those are her favorite episodes, bro. When, when your wife tunes in. So thank you for that's that. Awesome. Uh, now I want to, I want to talk about your, your podcast a little bit and kind of shifts gears here. Uh, the restoration is bro. The Restorationist. I love this podcast. Um, a lot of people love this podcast. You and I got to speak a few months ago about just kind of how you're producing it. And but would you just kind of tell us the the story about this amazing resource? How did it start? When did you decide you wanted to start a podcast? And why did you end up calling it the Restorationist? 
Well, thank you. That's an awesome question. So I started the podcast out of what I felt was a great need within the apostolic Pentecostal church at large. Yes. You know, I was talking with so many people and so many young adults, you know, the under 30 crowd, and they are the main consumers of of yeah. digital online content. But that 18 to 34, they are consuming podcasts, long-form conversations. I mean, podcast is a major media disrupting, you know, kind of movement right now all, right. all over the world, across the world. And what I noticed was that so many people were listening to podcasts and, you know, there's a lot of great voices out there and there's a lot of great content that may have been helpful, but it did not come from an apostolic worldview. And I wow. thought, yeah, oh my right. goodness, we've got, we've got people talking about leadership. We got people talking about even ministry. Yeah. Yeah. We got people talking about, you know, life and how to succeed in life and the great, you know, ideas that are the hot button topics of our culture that are shaping our world. And there is an absence of somebody coming from, you know, the a a an apostolic worldview that that, you know, someone that's got a, a narrative inside their head that the lens through which they see the world is, you know, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and right. you know His name is Jesus, and the yes, new sir. birth and the life of the Spirit, and and pursuing holiness. Like there wasn't stuff out there for it, and so I was like, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. Yeah. And um, I've tried blogging before, and I, I don't enjoy writing. I'm trying to write a book right now, but I don't, I don't enjoy writing. And but I like talking. I like talking to people about ideas. I like. I like talking to people about the stuff that's shaping our world. I love talking about leadership. So why don't I give this podcast thing a try? And Because at the same time, I had been mulling over this idea of doing like a YouTube show of talking to preachers about how they put their messages together. And I thought a podcast seems to be a better medium. I mean, podcast is is really is really unique. You know, Instagram, yeah. even Facebook, you get seconds of views. But in podcasts, you get hours of people's attention than dot pod the top podcasts in the world are like two and three hours long yeah, that's true. per episode and they get hundreds of millions of downloads a week that boggled my mind and yeah. so i was like here's a here's a thing where we can just talk and we can have a big conversation and everyone's okay with that we're not worried about camera angles and lighting and views it's just big conversations about big issues I and so it. i thought there was this i saw there was this need and i decided to throw my hat in the ring and uh, and see what i could do to add an apostolic worldview an apostolic voice to the mix of all of the other voices that were out there and the title of the podcast the restorationist it, it actually springs from a book by Dr. Robin Johnston. Uh, he wrote a book called Howard Goss, A Pentecostal Life, where he talked about the first general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. I believe it was the first one. Um, uh, he was Canadian. And uh, now his, his history, how he ended in his ministry as far as his theological worldview wasn't as mm. good as how he began. Gotcha. Uh, but in the book, Dr. Robin Johnston talked about used used Howard Goss's book or Howard Goss's story to really talk about what made the Pentecostal movement so great. So and that's the part of the book that really captivated me. And one of the things that 
that he said is that the early Pentecostal movement, and modern Pentecostal movement, had a restorationist impulse. That means their mm. their their voice, their cry to the religious world and the non-believing world was, "Let's get back to Acts. Wow. Let's 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 drop the creeds. Let's drop tradition. Let's drop." You know, the hundreds of years of, of church history that, frankly, is fairly corrupt and not that fantastic. And let's go back to the original church, the original template that Jesus started. And one of the things that was a part of the early Pentecostal Restorationist impulse was they had one foot in the past and another foot in the future. So they were reaching back to say, reaching back to the book of Acts but they were also reaching forward into the culture that they lived. And there was this tension that the early Pentecostal movement held that was, you know, let's get back to Acts, but let's right. also be as effective as we can be in reaching our generation. And they brought those two ideas together, and that was this restorationist impulse. And so I thought, man, that that is, we're living in a postmodern culture. We're living in a world that's mixed up. There's all sorts of ideas out there. We have so many young people enamored with Christian celebrities that, you know, wow. are not even celebrities nor even yeah. really that Christian. Yeah, and so right. why don't we make the rallying cry for this podcast? Let's forget about the noise. Let's forget about all the other voices. And let's reach back and try to be like in our generation that first church was in theirs. Let's be apostolic. Wow. Bro, I'm so glad that you dived into this and that you accepted that call because it's it's blessing me it's blessing others and you're right bro there's something about the simplicity of having a conversation talking with people that is so special and i and i love how we're seeing that happen in the apostolic movement you're seeing some podcast happening yours is is more about leadership mine is a little bit more about people's stories and where they came from and how they got to where they are now. But I just want to say thank you, bro. And you know, this is, this is uh, funny, but I, I tend to listen to your podcast, uh, like when I'm doing the dishes. And so, <laughs> bro, you have <laughs> got me, listen to podcast too, man. <laughs> bro, you have got me through so many dirty dishes, bro. I'm just so thankful. I hate thank doing the dishes, dude. <laughs> I mean, the food, the food is wet and it's Ooh. old. Like it's just it's gross, it's slimy. It's, like it's I, I'll cook, I'll cook, but like if I have to do the, so I'm with you, bro. I turn the podcast up when I'm bro, in the dishwasher. You've got me through some hard times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's I love awesome. it. Well, hey man, so I I want to talk to you a little bit about your study habits, and I'm and I'm kind of throwing a boomerang at you because uh, this is kind of a reverse interview. I've I've heard you interview people. And now we're getting to hear some of your habits and and how you prepare a message. And so I, I kind of pulled this question from you. I'm not going to lie. I kind of stole it from you because it blessed me when I heard you interview people and get their study habits. Would you mind sharing that with us? And I know you're a paper and pen kind of guy. You love nice pens and a good notepad. So what does that look like for you? when you prepare a message, you can be as practical or spiritual as you want to be with this answer. Okay, so I, like many apostolic preachers, work from the overflow of that you know, spirit-led creative impulse. So I have to feel it. You know, I have to be led right. to it. I've got to have it kind of burning in my gut. 
um, right. to feel like this is a word from God to deliver to um, the congregation or the, you know whoever I'm I'm speaking to uh, at the moment. And so that's kind of I want to preface everything I'm about to say with that. And for this is this there are other people that can preach very systematically, mm-hmm. but for me, I study systematically. I try to read systematically, but the development of my message, it just, I, I have to have it kind of like, it's that cre- it's a creative impulse. That's the only way I can describe it. Maybe it's because I have a, uh, I have the bit of that, you know, kind of creative emotional connection with inside of me, but right. I, I have to have that, that inspirational impulse from inside my soul, with inside my spirit that I'm feeling, this is what God wants me to do. But so here's how it typically goes. So, I, I, I'm trying my very best to to pray, to read, and right. fast, and um, and and like everybody else, all of those things are disciplines, and discipline usually is hard. And but I, that's that's where I get everything from. Everything flows from the overflow of my time with God, and I have found that's the best way to stay fresh. Um, there is nothing more terrifying than it being late on a Saturday night and you're just lying on your carpet in your basement, right. screaming at a ce- at the ceiling, <laughs> going, "God, give me right. a word." I'm right. sorry we have not talked this week, uh, <laughs> but now right. I need you to start right. talking to me. Right. And so that is an awful way to live. It's mm-hmm. just it's brutal. And so I try to read my Bible, fast, and pray regularly. And keep my ears open to the spirit and my eyes open to the world around me. Things I'm reading, you know, one of the one of the great things I've learned from studying stand-up comedians, and I'm not a stand-up comedian at all, but I'm just <laughs> I find those guys right. pretty fascinating, is yeah. is that everything is comedy. That's one of the things that they said is that some of the greats, everything is comedy. Everything around can be can be incorporated through the lens of the comedic filter, the comedic mind. And I thought to myself, wow, what would happen if I start looking at my life and it's not the comedic mind, but it's it's what what in life, what can I see here that maybe God could be trying to use to speak to me to give a word to somebody else. And so I keep my, you know, my ears to the spirit and my, you know, ears to the word, but also I got my eyes open to the world around me because I'm ready to use anything, bro. Like anything and everything that I can right. see. Yeah. If it has the opportunity to spark a thought, I want to be open to it. So I'll either good. read That's something good. in the scripture, see something in, you know, see something and just with my family in the world a headline that sparks a thought and I'll write that spark down that idea this is where it gets practical uh either in my journal uh, I have I have um I have a little travel journal that I carry around with me it's got three notebooks in it and uh it's it's called the Midori Traveler's Notebook I really like them they're cool and uh, so I write I write an idea down to that if I'm on the go, if I'm at my desk like I am now, it, like I have been for the past little bit because I haven't been able to really go anywhere. Everything's shut right. down here. Right. I have these four by six index cards on my desk. And the moment that I get a thought, I stop everything that I'm doing because literally that's how it will happen. It'll just pop in my head. Right. And uh, I write that down in the four by six index card. I'll write that scripture down, write that thought down. And I have a magnetic board up on my wall. And I just 
pin that thought, that index card up on my wall uh, till it's time to write that whole message or write that whole thought. And that's kind of how I, I categorize all my thoughts. I'm an out of sight, out of mind kind of person. So all these dudes with like complex Evernote organizations, I, I can't do that. I've <laughs> lost more things in the cloud than I found them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So right. and so I need yeah. I need stuff. I yeah. need stuff in front of me. So it goes up on that magnetic board. So when it, when it's time to write, when it's time to write that sermon, put it together, I read the text. I'll read it in a you know four or five different translations. I have you know paper Bibles that I use, and I just find I remember it so much more. I read the text. I read the surrounding context of verses. I read the entire chapter. I get a grasp on, you know, the general thrust of the whole book, and then I just brainstorm. I write down everything that comes to mind, free-flowing, no organization, just scribble it down. Then I'll move to study the mess out of the text. Like, I just go to town on the text. I use blueletterbible. I think it's .org or .com mm-hmm. for language resources because it's free. Um, you know, there's some great study apps out there. People always ask me, you know, do you like Logos? Do you like this? Um, I don't. I, I'm not made of money, and Logos is expensive, so right. I use Google. Google right. is the best concordance that I've ever had. Good and stuff. And so I use Blue Letter Bible, and I'll use <laughs> that for language resources. Then I will do a survey on that passage of every commentary I have on that text. And then if the message you know, deals with the big subject, I will go to books on that subject, and I will do a, a survey— of what those books say and just write down anything that jumps out from the commentaries, language study, books. And so I just have like this mess of stuff on a piece of paper. And then what here's here's where it begins to take shape. I, okay. I, I have some large, large A4 paper. It's like really big sheets of paper. And I just start to outline the message. I outline it, and then I number that outline. I scratch it what's not going to work, and then I begin the final writing process. This usually goes over a few days because uh, it's a very creative process to me. I kind of write until I don't feel anything anymore, right. don't have anything else, you know, else left to say, and just that's it. And then I write down everything on a Midori. Uh, I have this Midori journal that I use. It's It's like an a5 size it's kind of like half a sheet of paper and um, i'll write out the final set of notes on that so i'm a paper and pen guy and as you kind of you know you mentioned before in the intro i am uh, i am a fountain pen person and uh i i like i like a good pen i i like to do everything by hand write it down on paper and and here's why uh I find I remember so much more of what I'm preaching and I refer to my notes so much less. Wow, yeah. When uh, I have typewritten notes out, and one of the one of the things that really kind of shifted it for me was last year when we got locked down in March and we had to do all of our preaching online, and I was watching myself preach online, which is like the most excruciating thing that <laughs> right. you can do is watch yourself it. preach on the internet. Right. And, <laughs> and so I noticed that I was looking more at my notes than I was at the thing that was representative of all of the people watching at home, the camera. And I was like, I have to change that. I have to 
be less scripted and I have to be more in the moment and I have to be focused on people. Wow, that's good. And yeah. and so I start writing things out by hand and I don't really have a system. It's kind of again all kind of creative impulse, but I got a you know a few different pens. Some of them, you know, some of them were gifts from my wife that are pretty cool, and some were uh, some were just some ones that I bought at like a stationery store, like a, a Lamy, a Lamy, a plastic Lamy Safari for about twenty five bucks. And I fill them up with different bottles, uh, colors of ink, and and I write my notes. And there seems to be something about having that connection to physical paper that just allows me to remember and recall so much more. Wow, that's amazing. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm able to take that to the pulpit. Also, if God's speaking to me in the worship service, I don't have to go into my iPad, make a change to notes, and then re-export to you know, iBooks or some other reader. Right. I literally just pull a pen into my suit pocket, and I write down a sentence. You write it down, yeah. And I'm ready to go. <laughs> Bro, is that still possible for to just go write it down? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's like it's wild. It's like you can do things a complicated, technological, expensive way, or you can spend twenty five dollars on a pen, and you could spend ten dollars on a really like you know top end Japanese made hand sewing notebook. Top notch. You can write a sentence down. <laughs> and you're good to go. Amazing, amazing. Now, are you more manuscript with your preparation of notes, or are you more of a bullet point type of preacher? It's a mix of both. So I, I think of it more of blocks of blocks of content. So I have uh, a block, you know, a block of 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 a thought, maybe in a few points. Um, or it may be, you know, two or three sentences, four sentences at a time. Uh, I can go full blown scripted if that's what is necessary for the thought kind of evolves on kind of what I'm trying to say and how tight that I feel like the story needs to be told. But, uh, I tend to lean more towards scripted, but to help me stay more connected and in the moment with people. Uh, I have moving more towards point form, but I'm still kind of stuck in this weird middle ground for right now. I love it, bro. I, I love to hear how uh, different ministers do it differently and how the, the pr process is just really fascinating to me. And, and not only that, I, I think it's so helpful. That's what I love about podcasts is what a great outlet to get to educate and engage with young ministers. So thank you for sharing that practical application with us. Now, <clears throat> I hit on this uh, a while back, but man, we were so excited to have you here in Georgia a few years ago. My my brain can't place what year it, it was. Um, it was a few years ago. You did our, our hyphen retreat here yes. in, in Georgia. Bro, you you blessed us. I, I was doing the music that week. You were preaching, and, and bro, I was honored to to get to worship with you and be there with you. And bro, you blessed our, our hyphen students and you connect so well with that youth group to hyphen age. Of course, you're, you're preaching NAYC this year. What a perfect example of connecting with young people. What is your approach to engage and connect with youth and hyphen rather than when you're just preaching in say a normal Sunday morning service? That's a great question. I remember that hyphen retreat 
I think because that was the first time I had eaten at a Waffle House. <laughs> Man, we are classy around here. We know how to well, do it. You bro. know what? I loved it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it good. Actually, it was fan. People are all, people talk so much hate about Waffle House, <laughs> and I'm like, this this person at this grill is cooking real food, like it's, real food. It's the real deal, not, bro. Yeah, not stuff that came in like a plastic bag that. Somebody who hates their job microwaved in the back of an Applebee's. Or I'm sorry if anyone listening, Applebee's is your favorite place. But this person was cooking real food. And I was like, and it was so late at night. It was the only thing that was open. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, anyway, that, I had a great time. I had a really great time. Love it. And um, here's here's my here's my approach to to preaching, especially when it comes to youth and young adults. I'm I'm gonna be myself. That that's the first step. Is that's you good. have to be yourself. People yes, are sir. so accustomed to seeing so much fake. Everyone is now, you know, a, a marketer mm -hmm. because yeah. we yeah. have the ability to filter our own Instagram stories and, and pictures of our own face. Right. And so everyone now is so used to putting the best, most stylized version of themselves out there. And uh, I don't really like to to do that. I'd rather just be authentically who I am, and uh, and because I feel that people are craving to connect with others that are authentic, and I feel like it's so important for apostolic leaders to truly be transparent, vulnerable, and themselves uh, when they are in front of people, because I think it is it is refreshing in a world that is exceedingly fake. And narcissistic, and uh, and so that's my first step. The first step is I'm gonna be me. Um, I'm I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be you know whatever whatever I am you know a mix of of geek nerd uh, <laughs> person that you know Canadian that knows way more about you know firearms that I cannot possess than <laughs> what most Canadians can, uh, which that's always good. helps me connect well in the South. Uh, and so sure. yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna be me, and and so I'm gonna nerd out about coffee. I'm gonna, you know, like funny stuff. I'm I'm gonna love watching recreation where people fall over because I mean who doesn't enjoy that? Right. You know, I just like I like slapstick who I'm just gonna be me and uh I'm gonna be personal in my stories. Uh I'm gonna be unvarnished in kind of the, the, the way I talk about my life and my family because I feel that the best way to connect with people is number one, you put down all your walls, you put down all your defenses and you just be completely vulnerable. And that, that in and of itself is an open door for people, you know, to, to drop their guard. That's an yeah. invitation for people to get connected with what you're about to say about God. So good. And so be myself. Number two, show a genuine interest in people. And so I, I, you know, every person that lives has been made in the image of God. They've got a uh, a story. Everyone from the people that everyone thinks are cool to the, you know, to the to the oddest of the bunch. Right. Jesus loves them all, and yeah, you're right. He is deeply interested in them. So I want to yeah. be interested too. Praise God. So I'm going to show a genuine interest in people. I'm going to try to connect with people on a personal level. Um, and and then three, I'm going to connect Jesus to what I see are the greatest needs in a generation. And so I'm going to I'm going to try to examine what are the needs here? What are what are the 
what are the things that this generation is facing in the moment? I'm going to try to get connected with the, you know, the broader, what's the, what is the struggle against the broader spirit of the age that this demographic is up against? And then lastly, I try to figure out the context. So if I'm going somewhere, I'm asking questions of the organizer, the leader, or the pastor. I'm saying, look, what are some things I shouldn't say? What are some <laughs> things that I should right. say? Right. You know, um, what, like right down to like, if I read this translation of the Bible at some point in my in my message, will this be a stumbling block to someone in the crowd? I'm trying to do what I can to figure out the context. So number one, I'm being myself, that, and I'm showing genuine interest in people. That is the most important. Three, I'm going to connect Jesus to what are the greatest needs that I feel are of the generation as a whole. And that's pretty easy. I've preached all over the world, and it seems to be that the same issues in uh, in Georgia are the same issues in Hamilton, Ontario, are the same issues right. you know, in Curitiba, Brazil, at the youth convention I preached there, are the same issues at a, at a church held in a school in, in Zimbabwe that I preached at a couple of summers ago. It seems like the wow. global nature of the world has made our needs global. And so I'm connecting Jesus to those needs. But then the last thing, and that's just the thing to kind of go the extra mile. I'm trying to figure out context. I'm trying to figure out people into sports here. Are they, you know, who, what, are, what are they like? What's, what's the cool place to hang out at? And I'm going to try to find ways to weave that into what I say to, to build that bridge. Man, I, I love that. And I, I don't know if, you know, you preach around so much, you probably don't remember this, but because I was uh, doing the worship leading that week and heading up the praise team, it, I thought it was so cool that you would call me every night and you would connect with me as the worship leader and you would tell me what you were preaching, here's where I'm going to go, and I it taught me something that God honors preparation and the more prepared we are, the more we can flow in the anointing, and we we felt that in in those services, we didn't have to worry about that uh, because you communicated it so well, and you connected with our students so well. So kudos for that, bro. I love it, and I I really appreciate it. Now on your podcast, you talk about your son Judah. Now, interesting fact: if people listen to your podcast and my podcast, they definitely know we both have Judas in our life. So I would be remiss not to mention this. What's your favorite part about being a dad to a Judah? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if your Judah is like my Judah, but the personalities are very large. And so that is always, <laughs> oh, that is wow. always entertaining. That must be a Judah thing because that's it real. It must be a Judah thing. It is, <laughs> it is like a tornado. And uh, I just, I love watching him. There, there's a few things. I, I love watching him grow and, um, you know, there is that kind of oh he's not a kid anymore or he's not a baby anymore he's he's now he's now this this big boy this big kid and he right. he's growing like crazy wow. um wow. and uh and so i but i love watching him grow because if he didn't grow if he if he didn't hit these markers in maturity you know i should be concerned as 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 a father and so i have learned to love watching him grow Wow. And watching his mind expand and grow and grasp things, especially about God. So I tucked him in tonight and b before we before we chatted and uh, we read 
I believe it was Mark chapter 4. He, he's reading through the New Testament this year. And so we read through either the bread chart every year. Um, this was something that my wife really made a massive priority for him. And so we are reading, I believe it was Mark chapter 4. Jesus starts getting into, the, into some parables. And he just broke down the parable of the sower. And I really hope I'm using the right reference right now. Otherwise, well, I mean. <laughs> it's all good, bro. It's, it's, it's all, all good. you know. Uh, and so, but he broke down the parable of the sower to me. Wow. As I was reading it to him. Beautiful. This is what this kind of soil was. This is what that kind of, and he wasn't just parroting it. He was using his own words. He was describing what it means for thorns to choke out a healthy plant. And, you know, that, you know, the shallow soil, the people were shallow. They wow. Didn't, they would receive, They would, he said they got all excited about the things Jesus come, said. Come on, Judah. But, yeah. then, but then they walked away and they forgot it and they fell in love with something else and they got excited about something else. And as a result, nothing ever grew in their hearts. And I was like, oh, snap. Man. And so that kind of stuff is really cool. Watching him, you know, rip into a, a box of Lego. He loves cars, monster trucks, mm. you know, cars. I took him to the auto show in Toronto when he was five years old. Um, and he he was <laughs> like, he was all about that. Like, he loved it. He loves it. So watching him be, you know, go from struggling to put together little Duplo things to, like, building these complicated cars has been really cool watching his mind expand and grow and then playing with a man. Uh, he, he is, uh, he is, he, he's very competitive. He's very, he's very aggressive, uh, and, and <laughs> likes to wrestle, likes yeah, yeah. to box. Uh, my Christmas present from him this year was a, was a helmet that I could wear like a sparring helmet, <laughs> a sparring helmet, because he now hits so hard that it'll like split a lip. Uh, uh, and he's seven, or wow. like he like he he hit me once in the we're boxing and he had these little gloves on. I wasn't hitting him because I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not about to do that. But right. he's like jab jab hook jab jab hook and and just lighten me up. <laughs> and so I got a helmet. So I love boxing with him. Uh, we also went sledding today because it's very cold outside and there's snow on the ground. And just watching him go headfirst down this giant hill at breakneck at breakneck speed on this sled from Costco and just screaming <laughs> with laughter. I mean, those that's a lot of fun. So that's Man. what I like watching him grow, watching his mind expand and then just playing with him and and enjoying life with him. Man, that is so beautiful, bro. I love it. There's nothing like a Judah to, to brighten up your world. I can, I can Absolutely. attest to that. I love it, man. Well, hey, I, listen, I've, I've kept you for an hour because, man, you, you've blessed me, and I've, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue into my final question here because uh, I, I don't want to keep you too long because I would sit here and I'd, I'd talk for five hours, and I've been told I can't do that to my guests. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm here for the long haul. <laughs> well, bro, final question, and I, I know I've mentioned this a couple times, but uh, I, I do want to start off with saying sincerely I am praying for you and all the great men of God that are going to be ministering 
at North American Youth Congress this year. I'm praying for that event. I know that you as a pastor and somebody that stays busy, that's far off in the distance and you've got a hundred million services to worry about before then, but I want you to know I'm specifically praying for that. And I I was there in 2019 for Youth Congress and uh, I've ended the show with this. Uh, it, it's, it's funny, bro. Uh, at 2019, the Lord told me to to ask this question to every man of God that I could until NAYC 21. I don't know how to explain it, but I felt the Holy Ghost tell me I needed to do that. And on Thursday night, uh, Jack Cunningham preached about uh, Generation Z being apostolic to the core, and he challenged us. We saw miracles, signs, and wonders. It was incredible. In, In your opinion, my question to you is this, what do we need to do as millennials and Generation Z to make sure that we are apostolic to the core and that we have accepted Brother Cunningham's challenge during these last days? That's a great question, and that's a tremendous man of God that that you quoted from. And uh, thank you for praying. Before I give you that answer, thank you for praying for NAYC. Thank you for praying for me. Um, I, there is, there is a lot that it, you know, will happen in between, but that event is looming very large in my mind. I'm pretty sure I already know what God wants me to talk about and preach about. So I've been praying through that. Wow. And, uh, and so, um, Lord willing, Jesus, no. I'm, I'm excited to deliver that, but that's a great question. Being apostolic to the core. I, I was, I, there's a few things that I was, I was thinking of, but the first one I think is, you know, the foundational one. And that is, we have got to be committed to doctrine, to apostolic doctrine and theology. Yes. Yeah. I'm a firm believer, bro, that, that ideas, ideas still matter. Yeah. That we're living in a relativistic world. We've even seen it and I'm trying, you know, trying not to be the the weird Canadian commenting on something that um, is not even my country. But one of the things that I have found so interesting about watching the political kind of world of the United States kind of unfold, unravel, whatever you want to call it, was how it was to me the perfect example of peak postmodernism, that everyone had a narrative and everyone had – Everyone had a, a narrative that they were trying to cast, and it didn't matter if something was true or not true. What mattered was did it did it fit my story? Did it did it fit this narrative? Wow. And I'm not calling out one political party or another because it was it was everyone, everyone, everyone had an ideology or everyone yeah. had a meta narrative that they were attempting to cast upon the other. And it was, uh, I, I'm not going to believe anything if it falls outside of my story. And it's almost like truth as a concept had been suspended for preferences and wow. desires. And that to me was enormously frightening. Yeah. Because truth to me, truth being an actual real thing and a, a, an actual real person, Jesus, Still, like ideas and doctrine and truth still matters. I think one of the great things, one of the the true things postmodernism has pointed out to us is that truth is hard to figure out, 
and it's hard to discover because the world is complex yeah. and it is layered and it is messy and it is difficult and we all have filters that live in our head and we all have we all have perspectives that we come from but the messiness and the complexity does not deny the reality that truth is still out there specifically doctrinal truth theological truth about God, and if we're going to be apostolic to the core, we've got to understand that apostolic doctrine is the truth, and that the truth matters. It's not it's not brand distinctiveness. It is the very thing upon which we will be judged by yes. at the end of time. Well, yeah. And so for me, apostolic doctrine for our generation has got to become more than ideas you know, or, or a systematic theology that, that we adopt that, that forms the doctrinal statements on our church websites. But apostolic doctrine has got to become the worldview. It's got to become the lens. I've talked about this a few times already. The lens through which we see the world. It's got to become the story that informs our whole way of being yeah. in the world. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel that in, in many instances, and it has been revealed in you know, the political tensions that are in, well, I guess both of our countries or the entire world is that there are many followers of Jesus that are out there that they have they have dueling narratives in their head. They've got a national identity and a political identity, and then they have a they have a religious or spiritual identity. And depending upon which sphere that they are operating in, they operate from those different worldviews. And so, you know, they're at church preaching the gospel to the worst of the worst sinner, and they're full of compassion, and they're full of love. But then they get online, and they find somebody that disagrees with their political perspective, or they're not sure of, of yeah. which way they're going to vote, or which or what right. candidate they support. And all of a sudden, they're ready to light that person's life on my, fire and vilify a soul for whom Christ died on the internet and i just like that lets me know that there is a worldview issue that you've got right beliefs but those beliefs have not permeated Man. the core of your soul so deeply that they actually become the narrative through which you interpret the rest of the world wow and an app being apostolic to the core says being a oneness one god tongue talking you know holy ghost filled yeah baptized in jesus name holy living apostolic informs everything that I do. It teaches me I'm a stranger and a pilgrim in my own country. It teaches me that the mission of Jesus Christ matters more than anything else in the world. It teaches me that that just because uh, just be, you know, it, it teaches me so much, like, and, and it causes me to live my whole life as spirit led. So I think, I think we got to be committed to doctrine. We've got to allow apostolic doctrine to invade and inform every area of our life. From that overflow of doctrine, we allow the Holy Spirit to just lead us and speak to us and transform us. I think also the other thing we got to do, bro, is we have to relentlessly push back against the desire for fame. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah. Right? Wow. And so if, if for our parents and their parents, financial security, right? Yeah. Was their goal? Mm-hmm. Like how many messages, you know, you and I grown up in church, we got we got parents that are, I think I think your parents are are probably baby boomers, minor baby boomers mm-hmm. and yes, uh you know, you know we heard messages about not caring about how many cars you have or how much money is in your retirement account or not not loving money. 
not right. loving financial security, but being willing to sacrifice, you know, the stability or being willing to sacrifice the American dream for the sake of the kingdom of God. Wow. And for our generation, fame and 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 gratification through being noticed and seen is our financial mm. prosperity. That's it. Yeah. So what money was to our grandparents or our parents, fame and recognition <laughs> is for us. Wow. And so what we've got to do Man, in order wise. to be apostolic to the core is I think we've got to give up, we've got to put on the altar our generational desire to be seen and to be noticed, and we have to chase excellence and become people that desire to be those that add value over mm. being recognized. We cannot short circuit the pathway to becoming the person God wants us to be. It's not like I'm called, I'm going to announce it on Instagram, and now all of a sudden I'm going to have this audience of people that now should listen to me because, you know, I've now announced to the world that I'm called and, you know, my mom's liked it, and I now got 2,000 followers that that on Instagram that they all liked it. They said, preach, brother, and there was like three fire emojis. No, <laughs> there's still a process. Yeah through which you have to mature and to become. Mm. And so I think it's incumbent upon us as a generation to toil in secret and in silent to become the people that God wants us to become and chase and chase after adding value over recognition. So I don't care about being noticed. That needs to be, you know, kind of what our mantra is. I don't care about being noticed. I don't care who sees. I just want to make a difference. So and I think good. there's a difference between fame and impact. And I think if we're going to be apostolic to the core, we've got to chase impact. There's a young man and his wife. Uh, he just got married. I cannot mention his name. Sure. You will probably never know who he is because he's going to be an ACN missionary. Wow. He and his wife are going over. You're never going to see the cool things they do, the cool places they visit, or the countless lives that they are going to touch. You're never, you're never going to hear about it. Why? Because they have, they if they do, their life is in danger. The underground church is in danger. But they have chosen the call of God and adding value to the kingdom and serving people over getting noticed. Right. They right. said our calling will never be seen. I have another great friend of mine. Man. He's an international evangelist. You probably, unless he's priest at your church, you probably don't know who he is, but he goes into the prisons in the Philippines and works with and works with uh, uh, prisoners that, that have drug offenses. The reason why you don't know about him is because he goes all over Sri Lanka and Myanmar. He goes in Indonesia and he goes into uh, all of these closed Muslim countries in Asia. Wow. And he preaches the gospel and hundreds of people get the Holy Ghost Man. and and people get delivered. But he doesn't he's not on Facebook. He's not on Instagram. And he's not posting anywhere of all of the great things that God has done through his ministry, because it would bring those people that he has reached into mortal danger and it would stop his ministry. He wouldn't be able to continue to travel. But he's cool with that. He doesn't care because he's chosen adding value to the kingdom and making an impact over infamy. And I think that's way more important. Bro, that is, whew, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, man. That is powerful, and it it speaks to me, and it speaks to the listeners right now. That this is, this is what we need to be apostolic to the core. Well, Adam, man, I am just so privileged 
and honored to be able to have had this amazing, noteworthy conversation with you. And uh, I want you to know I appreciate you. I love your ministry. I appreciate your family and what you're doing. And would you uh, uh, honor us with just praying over the listeners and uh, just pray that God will be with them and be with us. Absolutely. And Nathan, before I do, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I love what you're doing with telling people's stories. Those telling stories is is so important. Uh, everything in life. I mean, when's the last time you got excited about a fact? Good chance you were moved. Last time you were moved by something, you were moved by a story. Yeah. And stories stories have the ability to change the world. And I think what you're doing, elevating the stories of people uh, in the apostolic movement and, and sharing them, that's going to make a difference. That's going to make a real impact. And so I love what you're doing. I'm Man. praying for God's blessing on your life. And absolutely, it's it's been an honor to talk with you and hang out and though we haven't had a chance to hang out much our lives are very very busy I've, I've always felt that that uh when i met you that i uh i have found a i have found a friend yes. someone yes. with whom i share so much in common so it's wow. it's been my honor to be on the show man that means so much thank you friend thank you so let's let's pray together i want to pray Pray for all those who are listening right now. Jesus, yes, yes, yes. I pray, God, that your hand would be upon all those that are Jesus. listening to this incredible resource, this incredible podcast. God, clearly, Lord, you are shaking the world through COVID-19 and the and the pandemic and all of the unrest that is in Thank culture. You, you sit upon the throne. You are sovereign over all. There's not a thing that does not happen, Lord, in the larger global scheme of things that you do not allow through your sovereign and perfect will. And God, you're trying to get our attention. God, you're trying, God, to, to yes. speak to our hearts. Jesus. You're trying to speak to our souls and our minds. And Lord, I pray that we would hear that voice. God, that we, Lord Jesus, in the closing moments we have in this podcast together, that Lord, your spirit would reach out. That Lord, if there are those that are suffering, that they are going through pain, like my wife and I have, that yes. God, they would begin to reframe their struggle. God, you are not out for our destruction. You are for our good so that we, Lord, to glorify your name through our yes. lives. God, help everyone in the struggle to reframe their pain through the light of your word. And I pray, Jesus, for a generation of young leaders that would come after, that we would be apostolic to the core, that we would buy the truth and sell it not. Yes, this would God. be more, Jesus, than just doctrinal distinctives on a website, but it would become our identity. Help us, Lord, to chase after you and be willing to say yes to your call. Help us not to be drunk, Lord, with the culture's desire to be noticed and to have fame, but help us, Jesus, to chase after you and to add value to people and make an impact on the world because you're coming very soon. I pray your blessing blessing in your hand upon Nathan and his family and upon all those that are listening today. Yes, go God. with us. Go before us. Fill us with your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Man. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Adam, thank you, bro, for the people listening right now. Stop everything you're doing. If you are not subscribed to The Restorationist, I need you to go subscribe right now i'm gonna put the link in the show notes below go click on it go follow brother adam shaw and you will be blessed adam thank you friend i love and appreciate you same feelings mutual man say hi to your judah uh, for me and <laughs> say hi it. to your family for me love you much man have a wonderful rest of your night and god bless you too friend thanks god bless